Hey, Calvary family, this is Pastor Michael Grove here on the Bible Reading App. Today is August the 6th, and we have started the book of 1 Kings, and we will continue on today, starting in 1 Kings chapter 4. So King Solomon ruled over all Israel, and these were his chief officials, Azariah, son of Zadok, the priest, Eliharef and Ahijah, sons of Sisha, secretaries, Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, recorder, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, commander-in-chief, Zadok and Abiathar, priests, Azariah, son of Nathan, in charge of the district governors, Zabud, son of Nathan, a priest and advisor to the king, Ahishar, palace administrator, Adoniram, son of Abda, in charge of forced labor. Solomon had twelve district governors over all Israel, who supplied provisions for the king and the royal household. Each one had to provide supplies for one month in the year. These are their names. Ben-Hur, in the hill country of Ephraim. Ben-Decker, in Makaz, Shealbim, Beth-Shemesh, and Elan-Bethanan. Ben-Hesed, in Aruboth. Soko in all the land of Hefer were his. Ben Abinadab in Naphoth Dor, he was married to Taphoth, daughter of Solomon. Beana, son of Ahilud, in Tanakh and Megiddo, and in all of Beth Shan next to Zarathon below Jezreel, from Beth Shan to Abel Meholah across to Jochmim. Ben Geber in Ramoth Gilead. The settlements of Jer, son of Manasseh, in Gilead were his, as well as the region of Argob in Bashan and its sixty large walled cities with bronze gate bars. Ahinadab, son of Edo, in Mehanaim. Ahimiaz, in Naphtali. He married Basemath, daughter of Solomon. Biana, son of Hushai, in Asher and in Aloth. Jehoshaphat, son of Perua, in Issachar. Shimei, son of Elah, in Benjamin. Geber, son of Uri, in Gilead. The country of Sihon, king of the Amorites, in the country of Og, king of Bashan. He was the only governor over the district. The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate, they drank, and they were happy. And Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines, as far as the border of Egypt. These countries brought tribute and were Solomon's subjects all his life. Solomon's daily provisions were thirty cores of the finest flour and sixty cores of meal, ten head of stall-fed cattle, twenty of pasture-fed cattle, and a hundred sheep and goats, as well as deer, gazelles, roebucks, and choice fowl. For he ruled over all the kingdoms west of the Euphrates River, from Tipsah to Gaza, and had peace on all sides. During Solomon's life, Judah and Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, lived in safety, everyone under their own vine and under their own fig tree. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for chariot horses and 12,000 horses. The district governors, each in his month, supplied provisions for King Solomon and all who came to the king's table. They saw to it that nothing was lacking. They also brought to the proper place their quotas of barley and straw for the chariot horses and the other horses. 
God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Ezrahite, wiser than He-Man, Kalkal, and Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs in his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life, from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. 1 Kings chapter 5 When Hiram, king of Tyre, heard that Solomon had been anointed king to succeed his father David, he sent his envoys to Solomon because he had always been on friendly terms with David. Solomon sent back this message to Hiram. You know that because of the wars waged against my father David from all sides, he could not build a temple for the name of the Lord his God until the Lord put his enemies under his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side, and there is no adversary or disaster. I intend, therefore, to build a temple for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord told my father David when he said, Your son, whom I will put on the throne in your place, will build the temple for my name. So give orders that cedars of Lebanon be cut for me. My men will work with yours, and I will pay you for your men whatever wages you set. You know that we have no one so skilled in felling timber as the Sidonians. When Hiram heard Solomon's message, he was greatly pleased and said, Praise be to the Lord today. For he has given David a wise son to rule over this great nation. So Hiram sent word to Solomon, I have received the message you sent me, and I will do all you want in providing the cedar and juniper logs. My men will haul them down from Lebanon to the Mediterranean Sea, and I will float them as rafts by sea to the place you specify. There I will separate them, and you can take them away." and you are to grant my wish by providing food for my royal household. In this way, Hiram kept Solomon supplied with all the cedar and juniper logs he wanted, and Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household, in addition to 20,000 baths of pressed olive oil. Solomon continued to do this for Hiram year after year. The Lord gave Solomon wisdom, just as he had promised him. There were peaceful relations between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty. King Solomon conscripted laborers from all Israel, 30,000 men. He sent them off to Lebanon in shifts of 10,000 a month, so that they spent one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the forced labor. Solomon had 70,000 carriers and 80,000 stonecutters in the hills, as well as 3,300 foremen who supervised the project and directed the workers. At the king's command, they removed from the quarry large blocks of high-grade stone to provide a foundation of dressed stone for the temple. The craftsmen of Solomon and Hiram and workers from Byblos cut and prepared the timber and stone for the building of the temple. 1 Kings chapter 6 In the 418th year after the Israelites came out of Egypt, 
in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, the second month, he began to build the temple of the Lord. The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was sixty cubits long, twenty wide, and thirty high. The portico at the front of the main hall of the temple extended the width of the temple, that is, twenty cubits, and projected ten cubits from the front of the temple. He made narrow windows high up in the temple walls. Against the walls of the main hall and inner sanctuary, he built a structure around the building, in which there were side rooms. The lowest floor was five cubits wide, the middle floor six cubits, and the third floor seven. He made offset ledges around the outside of the temple so that nothing would be inserted into the temple walls. In building the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used, and no hammer, chisel, or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. The entrance to the lowest floor was on the south side of the temple. A stairway led up to the middle level and from there to the third. So he built the temple and completed it, roofing it with beams and cedar planks. And he built the side rooms all along the temple. The height of each was five cubits, and they were attached to the temple by beams of cedar. The word of the Lord came to Solomon. As for this temple you are building, if you follow my decrees, observe my laws, and keep all my commands and obey them, I will fulfill through you the promise I gave to David your father, and I will live among the Israelites and will not abandon my people Israel. So Solomon built the temple and completed it. He lined its interior walls with cedar boards, paneling them from the floor of the temple to the ceiling, and covered the floor of the temple with planks of juniper. He partitioned off twenty cubits at the rear of the temple with cedar boards from floor to ceiling, to form within the temple an inner sanctuary, the most holy place. The main hall in front of this room was forty cubits long. The inside of the temple was cedar, carved with gourds and open flowers. Everything was cedar, no stone was to be seen. He prepared the inner sanctuary within the temple to set the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord there. The inner sanctuary was twenty cubits long, twenty wide, and twenty high. He overlaid the inside with pure gold, and he also overlaid the altar of cedar. Solomon covered the inside of the temple with pure gold, and he extended gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary, which was overlaid with gold. So he overlaid the whole interior with gold. He also overlaid with gold the altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary. For the inner sanctuary, he made a pair of cherubim out of olive wood, each ten cubits high. One wing of the first cherub was five cubits long, and the other wing five cubits, ten cubits from wingtip to wingtip. The second cherub also measured ten cubits, for the two cherubim were identical in size and shape. The height of each cherub was ten cubits. He placed the cherubim inside the innermost room of the temple with their wings spread out. The wing of one cherub touched one wall, while the wing of the other touched the other wall, and their wings touched each other in the middle of the room. He overlaid the cherubim with gold. On the walls all around the temple, in both the inner and outer rooms, he carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. He also covered the floors of both the inner and outer rooms of the temple with gold. 
For the entrance to the inner sanctuary, he made doors of olive wood that were one-fifth of the width of the sanctuary. And on the two olive wood doors, he carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers, and overlaid the cherubim and palm trees with hammered gold. In the same way, for the entrance to the main hall, he made door frames out of olive wood that were one-fourth of the width of the hall. He also made two doors out of juniper wood, each having two leaves that turned in sockets. He carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers on them, and overlaid them with gold hammered evenly over the carvings. And he built the inner courtyard of three courses of dressed stone in one course of trimmed cedar beams. The foundation of the temple of the Lord was laid in the fourth year in the month of Ziv. In the eleventh year in the month of Bull, the eighth month, the temple was finished in all its details according to its specifications. He had spent seven years building it. This concludes the reading for today. Let me give you a quick thought before we end our time together. Man, I wish I could have seen what this temple looked like. I mean, it sounds so glorious with all the cedar and gold covering everything. Yet, I think one of the most impressive parts to me is the stone was cut in the quarry and then brought over to the right spot. It said that no sound of any chiseling was heard in the entire site that the temple was being built. Because this was supposed to be a place where things were already refined and put into place. Why is that important to me? Because when you look at all the things that were visible to the eye, the gold, the cedar planks, the fine craftsmanship and all the carvings that were there, they covered work that had already been done at another location. They were made to cover the stone. In fact, it said that from the inside, no stone was to be seen. You see, that represents how our life is designed. It's up to us to do the foundation work. In fact, the foundational work is something that nobody else can really see. It's stuff that's supposed to be done in secret in order to sustain whatever type of growth God wants to bring us. Without the foundational work, without the chiseling away at the stone deep in the quarry where nobody else can see it or hear it, we are unable to produce anything of beauty. But when we do the work to chisel away, to carve and to fashion and form the stone that lays as our foundation, then we are able to sustain something of beauty. So what does it look like to do that foundational work? Well, it's getting alone with the Lord. It's allowing Him to chisel off the hardened pieces of our heart that shouldn't be there. It's reading and praying and studying God's Word so that it gets deep down at the foundation of who we are. That's how we build the integrity to be the people that God designed us to be. And when we do that foundational work, the work that no one else sees and no one's going to glorify you for, when we do that work, God overlays it with something beautiful. And that's a work that's never done. We constantly have to get alone with the Lord and allow Him to chisel and work on us in the hardened foundational pieces of who we are. Because once we let him do that work, then he continually blesses us and pours his goodness and his grace on us. And everyone around us is able to see what that work looks like once we've done it. So get alone with the Lord. 
Ask him to chisel away at the hardened pieces of your heart. We all have them. We just need him and the Holy Spirit to work them so that he can produce something beautiful. That's all the time we have left for today. I love you and God bless. Thank you.